0: Alright, I'm glad to see you here tonight. We're in a interesting study, this study of prophecy and all that goes on with that. And and we're into an especially interesting study tonight that comes out of the book of Ezekiel. We'll get there in a little bit. Uh, and uh, I can tell you, I, I ruminated on this and have been praying through this and working my way through this for about a week. And, uh, and Pastor and I were talking about it today. He says, your guess is as good as mine. Well, some of it is. But uh, some of this is, like I've said all along, we're dealing with prophecy. It's, it's like putting together that puzzle, and you've got all these pieces, and they, somebody threw it down on a pile and said, put them together and make it look like something, and you never get to see the outside of the box, so you don't know what you're, what you're putting together when you put the picture together. And so we do the best that we can. We, we study it out. We read God's Word. The big thing we, need, we know that, that uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt... How it all fits together, we may not understand, but we do know for sure that whatever God says is going to happen is going to happen. And that we can have without any, any shadow of doubt or disagreement. But anyway, let's just go back into our lesson tonight. Go, turn on to into page four of your notes. You know the beginning of has just basically given you an idea of where we're going. Basically, I have ten lessons in this. We're in lesson seven. So you can see we're getting on the back side close to the end. And they're uh, and, and working our way through uh, this study, and then we'll go on to something else. But it's very interesting. Uh, we need to know when we look at history, we look at our present day, there's all kinds of speculations about what's going on, and people are getting nervous, and we're wondering if the Lord's coming back any time. Are we seeing the mark of the beast? Are we seeing things like this happen right now? We're not. We're not. That happens after we get out of here. But let's, let's just review real quickly where we've been over the last several several weeks. In page 4, Jesus told us how to re- how we are to respond as we prepare for the Lord's return. Uh, we know that he's coming. Uh, you're going to see things happen. You're going to be signs. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 28. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth. Dismay among nations. Boy, we're living in that. In perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. This global warming we see. Men fainting from fear and the expectation of things that are coming upon the world. Boy, you see that, you listen to the news, and, boy, if you want to get depressed, just watch the news long enough. There's bad things happening, right? And uh, and then you're going to see men fainting, and then you're going to see, um, For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So there's hope on the other end of all of this dismay that's going on in the world. Jesus is coming again. Verse 28 when these things begin to take place, what do we do? We straighten up, lift up our heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So when you see the trouble in this world, don't let yourself get down in the dumps and in the doldrums and all of the conspiracies and all of the oh no and all of that that's going on. You say, okay, this is a good sign. Jesus is coming soon, we know. And so be cheerful about it. And prepare people about it. You show the joy of the Lord trusting God. And I think that's going to be a very effective way of drawing people into accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. So we stay positive when the whole world looks like it's falling apart. Yes, sir. Now, that's going to be, I think that's going to be the second coming at the end of, of the tribulation period. You're going to see all these things. There's no signs they look forward for the rapture. It's just the next thing to happen. But but if we know these things, these signs, and all these things are happening, that's going to happen. But we we do know that those things are going to happen, and so we know that the Lord's coming back. So we just stay encouraged. We just stay, just keep understanding that that we're we're not going to have to go through all the troubles. Uh, we just keep looking for the Lord, keep our eyes painted, uh, aimed high. So when we see trouble in this world, we just look look to heaven and say, Lord, help us, and you look for His coming. It's addressed to probably Jewish believers in, that are going to be going through the tribulation time. Okay? Jewish believers, and we're going to get to some of them later on when we get into tonight's study. Good question. Good question. Yes, sir? The strange thing is that this Jesus is to Yes. And they are not going to see this, but Yes. Yes. Right. We need to know it because we need to be reminded that Jesus is coming. It'll be easy for us to just go about our daily lives and just forget about all of this and just say, well, it's going to happen one way or the other. But when we know we know these things are happening and people are getting distraught about things, we can say, hey, this just means Jesus is coming. Let's just get let's start looking to him. The answer is not going to be found in the news. It's not going to be found in politics. It's not going to be found in medicine. It's not going to be found in anything else. The answer is Jesus Christ. So he's coming. Let's get ready for it. Okay, all right, good, good, good. All right, so now uh, we're looking for, and with anticipation for the second coming, and remember that second coming comes in two different stages. You got the, the uh, rapture, number one on page four, and then later on, we haven't gotten to it yet, is the second coming when Jesus comes down to set up the millennial kingdom. We'll get to that in the next week or two, Okay. So, that's where we're going here, okay? We are to be looking for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says there's a crown laid up for those who are looking for his coming. So, that's another reason. We look for him so we can stay encouraged. We look for him so that we can gain that reward when the time comes at the uh, Bema seat, okay? So, we have the pre-tribulation rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about that. And then there's going to be that judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. That's where we go to receive the rewards for what we've done faithfully here uh, as we serve the Lord, okay? So don't be afraid of the bema You understand there's going to be some accountability, yes, but remember that the Lord loves you and he has a reward for you. And everybody's going to get something. And uh, you need to strive to get those rewards. Those rewards will be a blessing. Some of those will, will, will cast crowns at Jesus' feet. The Bible talks about that. But it also tells us where our position will be when we rule and reign with him. Depending on our faithfulness here, he who's faithful here will be allowed opportunity there in the, in the kingdom. So we're not going to be sitting in heaven for the rest of our lives just playing a harp and sitting on a cloud and eating bonbons. You know, we're going to be serving the Lord for all of eternity. And so what we want to do is get prepared for that. It's, it's like this life is like college. You're getting all the training right now. And later on in eternity the big picture comes in we we tend to think of this being the big picture this is all preparation for what's coming okay so be faithful where you are page 5 you got the marriage supper of the lamb that's going to take place at some point where we as the church of Christ are united with Jesus Christ the groom the bridegroom and we have that intimate relationship with him that is an eternal relationship and and being in his presence Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9. We've been through this, but let me just read this again. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in the fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if you are a Christian, you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you're not only invited, you're going to be part of the bride. And so that's a good day that is coming. Something for us to look forward to. Those are all positive things that we look at in prophecy and say, this is going to be great. The rapture, the bema seat, the marriage supper. But also we have that negative stuff coming. The reign of Antichrist. And we talked about that. And we've been through that. He's going to become and he's going to establish a kingdom here on this earth. He's going to be the last dictator the world ever knows. He's going to be part of satan's empire he's going to have a false prophet with him he's going to have all those things and uh, we've studied all of that out we know that's coming and everything seems to be fitting into place for that to happen but who knows the lord could come tomorrow he could come a thousand years from now all we know everybody my father when i was when i my father died 50 years ago this last week and uh, and i remember him as a little boy him telling us i think jesus is coming tomorrow I think Jesus is coming today. He could come at any minute. Be ready. Be ready. And we need to be ready. That was 50 years ago. My dad believed that with all of his heart. I believe it today with all of my heart. But who knows how long the Lord. This is God's business. as to when all this stuff happens. We just have to believe it is going to happen. When it happens, that's God's business. Our job is to just kind of remember and believe with all of our hearts that it's going to happen. Okay? So what's the Christian response? Recognize that Antichrist is coming. Recognize that Antichrist is already defeated in the mind of God and in the word of God. And get busy sharing the gospel. We've talked about that several weeks already. And that's that's the motivation for this. Okay? Then last week we looked at the Great Tribulation. And that's a seven-year period of time with a lot of awful things that are going to happen. And a, a lot of things that frighten us when we think about it. But when we know at the end Jesus is going to win... We know we can get through it. And we as believers are going to be in heaven. We're going to be with the Lord during this time. These are things that are going to happen here on the earth. There are seven prominent characters. Page 6 talks about them. you got the woman clothed with the sun representing Israel. you got the dragon representing Satan. you got the son of the woman representing Jesus Christ. The dragon wants to destroy the son of the woman. Michael the archangel comes in and defeats the dragon with God's power. And then there's a remnant of believers that are saved during the tribulation. We're going to look at that just a little bit even in tonight's lesson. Uh, a remnant of people who come to know Christ during the, during the tribulation period. Again, I've said before, First or, or 2 Thessalonians talks about God sending a strong to delusion to those who have heard the gospel. And then the rapture takes place, and I think those who have heard the gospel before the rapture takes place will believe the lie of Antichrist and will not really come to salvation during the tribulation period. But there will be other people who had not heard the gospel before, and they will see the acts of God during the tribulation period, and they will be drawn to the Lord. They'll be drawn to his word. Remember, heaven and earth passes away, but my word never passes away. There will be Bibles here on earth during the tribulation period. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. People will pick up their Bibles during the tribulation period, and they'll see, oh, that's really happening right now. And they'll be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will come to know him as their Savior. There will be people preaching during the tribulation period. We're going to talk about that a little bit, too. There's 144,000 Jewish messengers in Revelation chapter 7 who will be preaching during the tribulation period. There's a remnant of Jews and Gentiles who accept Christ as the Messiah, and the Antichrist doesn't like it, and he goes after them, and they, many of them will be martyred during the time by Antichrist and his crew. Some will survive all the way until the second coming of Jesus Christ, the glorious appearing of coming. That's God's business. Our business is to prepare while we have the opportunity, right? Character number six is the Antichrist. We talked about him already. Character number seven is that false prophet. That's the one who who causes everyone to worship the beast and an image of the beast and and somehow brings that image of the beast to to life, whether it's a real life or it's some kind of an animatronics or whatever it is, I don't know. that somehow it's going to cause people to worship him. Just like just like you have the Holy Spirit in the Christian world who causes people to worship Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ brings glory to God the Father. You have the Antichrist who the the false prophet acts like our Holy Spirit bringing glory to the Antichrist who is in turn bringing glory to Satan. And that's what's going on. So this is a, we have a, a holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and then there's an unholy trinity Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet. Okay? So we have to understand that. That's the way it works. Okay? Now, the seven seals of the tribulation. Remember, seals. This is not the, what you see down at, down at Pier 39. They, these, are, these are seals, wet, wax seals, on a, on a rolled-up scroll a document. Okay? And, uh, and one by one, the Lamb of God opens these things up. He is worthy to open the seal. And as these seals are opened up, a tribulation takes place on earth. Okay, first you have the riders on the white horse. Then they have the rider on the red, red horse, the rider on the black horse, the rider on the on the pale horse. or two riders actually on a pale horse. And we'll get we're going to look at them again a little more tonight. So those are the first four seals. And then there is the then there is the seal that opens up and lets us see uh, information about the martyrs that are going to die during, for their faith okay then seal number six is a terrifying earthquake the worst earthquake you talk about the big one it won't be the one anything San Francisco's ever experienced this is going to be the big one uh, and it's going to be very very I- impossible to ignore and then there's going to be silence before seven trumpets are revealed okay now remember the, 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 the tribulation period is a seven, seven year period of time where antichrist comes in makes a covenant with israel he says i am your friend i am going to protect you he he kind of tries to get israel to believe that he is the messiah and for any he, and he actually gathers the people together and it's a very peaceful time fairly peaceful time during that first three and a half years that's during that three and a half years that the temple is being rebuilt in jerusalem how that's all going to happen i don't know Maybe that big earthquake takes the Dome of the Rock out. I don't know. And, uh, but somehow they're going to be able to build a temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. And, it's, and, and, and the old Jewish worship is going to be restored. All the things are there. By the way, I'm understanding Israel that a lot of the furniture is already there, ready to go. The, I've seen pictures of the, of the lampstand that's supposed to go into the new temple. I've seen things like this. And I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be. But the, the lampstand's worth in the millions of dollars. It's all gold. So it's going to be quite something. I hope to get to see it. I'm planning on taking a trip to Israel in the summer. But um, anyway, we, those, th- these things are all lining up. But that three and a half year period of time is when Antichrist sets up and says, I'm your friend, Israel. I'm your friend. Remember, Israel is the apples of God's eye. Israel is the centerpiece of all prophecy. And and then halfway through there there's gonna be an event takes place. We're gonna talk about that. I think this is the event we're gonna talk about tonight, that that sets Antichrist up and says, Okay, I'm not just your friend, I am God and he moves into the temple. And that's when things really get bad. The last three and a half years is when God unleashes all of his wrath and anger because people have rejected him, because Antichrist has set himself up as God's replacement. And God says, "I'll have none of that," and He brings all the major judgments down. Okay, all right. Go on to page seven in your notes again. Review that we had the had the seven characters, we had the seven seals. Now we look at the seven trumpets. These are tougher than the seven seals. All right. We talked about this last week. Trumpet number one blows, and an angel blows this, and hail, fire, and blood fall on the earth. Trumpet number two, a mountain-sized meteor hits the earth, and Destroys a third of the the, uh, life in the sea and the ships. Trumpet number three, an exploding poisonous star of wormwood that gets into the fresh water, and many people die from poisonous fresh water. Trumpet number four, heavenly bodies are darkened. Trumpet number five, demonic creatures from hell are unleashed. Somebody was asking me about those last week. Do you think those are demons? I said, I don't know what they are. I know whatever they are, the Bible in Revelation describes them as being quite ugly and nasty, and if they bite you, you're going to hurt, and you're going to suffer, and you're going to suffer big time, and for a number of months, you're going to wish you could die, and you won't be able to die. You'll just suffer. Then you're going to have uh, number trumpet number six, a satanic army of 200 million soldiers shows up to fight against God. And the trumpet number seven, heaven rumbles as Jesus Christ takes his throne. He's moving in. He's getting ready for that second coming in that millennial kingdom. And there's lightning, and there's all sorts of things that happen in heaven uh, to prepare for the second coming. And then you have those seven bowls of the great tribulation, which are even worse than the seven trumpets. The horrible boil-like sores that fall when the first bowl is dumped out. And then bowl number two, the sea or bowl number two, the sea turns to blood. Everything in the water dies. Bowl number three, the fresh water turns to blood. Everything in the fresh water dies. Bowl number four: Inescapable heat overtakes the earth. The Bible describes it's like it's like rays of sunlight that are so sharp it will come down to the earth and literally scorch people here on the earth. Talk about global warming. Bowl number five: Antichrist experiences heaven's direct attack, and uh, this is this is uh, I think we're going to be in that today in, in, in Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight. Bowl number six: The blood-filled Euphrates River evaporates, and another army comes across from the east. To attack Israel, and then God says in bowl number seven, this is when Jesus Christ comes back with His army, the Battle of Armageddon, and He says, "That's it. Time's over. I'm done. No more." And He and He takes the Antichrist, casts him in the lake of fire. Takes the false prophet alive, casts him in the lake of fire. Satan is bound for a thousand years, and the Millennial Kingdom comes in. Okay, so it's a, it's it's these are all things that are coming. Okay, and our response again. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, For then there will be great tribulation, such as what has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And verse 30 says, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And then you get down to the bottom of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says there in verse 11, Therefore encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are doing. So again, we study these things. We look at these things. Jesus wanted us to know about these things. God wanted this recorded for us in Scripture so that we could know what was coming and not so that we could fume and worry about it and try to figure out, uh, as I've talked about, you know, what, what's the flea on the hair on the knuckle of the Antichrist's hand doing? We're not trying to know all those details. We just want to get the big picture and understand that Jesus Christ is ro- ruling and reigning in spite of how bad it looks. And it does look really bad during these times. But God's in control. God's in control. All right, so now, this is the new lesson we're getting into tonight. Lesson number seven uh, the attack on Israel from the north, the judgment of the nations. If you have your Bible, it would be good for you to open it up to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 just so you can kind of follow along I've got a lot of it in the notes but I, but I think it's just good for you to see the flow of it as we go through this um, again like I said I have been wrestling through this and looking at this and praying through it and reading everything I can find on it um, and it is really really an interesting passage of scripture I haven't heard a whole lot of preaching on this uh, partly because it's, it's not easy stuff it's really not easy stuff in Ezekiel chapter 37, God gives Ezekiel this vision. And it's a it's a vision. You've heard a song, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. You've heard that song. It's a it's a spiritual song that people sang. And that's that comes out as Ezekiel chapter 37. And Ezekiel chapter 37 is 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 Ezekiel is, is placed in a vision in this barren barren desert valley and he sees a pile of bones and God indicates to him that those bones are going to come back to life and I don't understand it all it's a weird one of the weirdest things that give you nightmares thinking through some of this stuff <laughs> but all of a sudden the bones started rattling like out of a horror picture and i got to be careful horror h-o-r-r-o-r picture all right? And then uh, and and I want to make sure people understood that. And then you the bones come together and then they one by one the bones start fitting together and then the bones start growing muscles and they grow tendons and they grow skin and they grow hair and they grow clothes and all, uh, it's just weird. It's just weird. What in the world? What in the world is that talking about? Well, look at verse 11 of Ezekiel chapter 37. Then God said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. So what he's saying is, this is a vision, a, a picture of Israel being restored. For many years, Israel was not a nation. Israel was defeated. The temple was destroyed. People, Israel was scattered. Israel is the most unique nation in the history of the world. It's the only country in the world. It's a little bitty, little bitty country about the size of the state of New Jersey. About the size of some of California's counties. You know, it's just not that big. And yet, it is the apple of God's eye. I'm going to go 15 minutes more now. Because that phone's going off. That's okay. But, uh, but uh, the uh, it's the apple of God's eye, and uh, and. And so, God is going to preserve this. It's the only country in the world that has been scattered around the world, all of its monuments destroyed, and then they come back together and reunite and maintain being a country. Why? Because they're God's chosen people and God wants it that way. So, God prophesied, and Ezekiel at the time, Israel's in trouble. They're not there. And it wasn't until 1940 that all the bones came back together spiritually, physically, nationally and Israel became a nation again. Amazing stuff, amazing stuff. Alright, so Ezekiel 37 talks about Israel coming back. You get to Ezekiel 38 and you see that there's a northern kingdom that doesn't like that so much. And i just uh, just, just give you a quick overview in 38 and 39, you see a, a, a kingdom from the north comes down and says, we don't like Israel being there, and we're going to take out Israel again. And they gather a huge army, like the Sands of the Sea Army, a sa- that big of an army. Several nations co- uh, join together and come down to attack Israel. And, and everything humanly says, Israel has no chance whatsoever. Interesting, interesting. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but I think I've got an idea, okay? So let me share that with you, all right? Let's go to page 8 in your notes, okay? In Ezekiel 38 and 39, we see a prophecy regarding the attack on Israel by the League of Nations, led by a leader named Gog, G-O-G, that's not a typo, okay? And uh, his people from Magog, okay, that's, Gog is the leader, Magog is the nation of the people, okay? Okay? Alright? And so I kind of think this fits in with the four horsemen of Revelation. Because what you have is you have that first horseman who comes in riding on a white horse. That's Antichrist. Uh, You can see in the notes there that that rider is not the same one that you see in Revelation 19. Revelation 19, we see another rider on a white horse. Revelation chapter 6 is the horseman of, of the apocalypse. Revelation... Chapter 19 is Jesus Christ coming back to set up his kingdom. Okay? And you can read through that if you like, but for the sake of time, we're going to roll on. So in the Revelation, we have two different leaders on white horses one is Antichrist, one is the real Christ. Okay? Antichrist likes to copy everything Jesus does. Don't you hate that when people copy you? Imagine what God feels about that. Alright? So, the writer that we see in Revelation 19 is Jesus, and the writer in in Revelation chapter 6 is Antichrist. Now, Antichrist has come in again and set up his kingdom in Israel, befriended Israel, helped build the temple up. Everything looks really good. So Israel's now under the protection of Antichrist. And they think things are as easy and as good as they're going to get. They don't have to have an army anymore. Antichrist is going to take care of them. Never in the history of the of Israel has it ever been that peaceful. Never. They've always had to have walls around the city. Right now, today, Israel has got the best air force in the world, and they're ready to take out anybody who comes around. They are prepared for battle. Everybody around them wants them. Everybody's got. It's like everybody in the whole world right now in the Middle East has got guns aimed at Israel. Just saying. Wait for the right time. We're going to get it. So Israel's got guns pointed the other way saying we're going to protect ourselves. Y'all are getting sleepy. Maybe I'll make you stand up. All right, hang in there. Hang in there. I'm trying to make this as interesting as I can. All right, now, it's been a long day, and it's warm. All right, so we got the rider on the white horse. And then what happens? You got a rider on the red horse. What's that? The red horse is war. Everything looks like peace and safety, and then the red horse comes in. I believe that's the Gog and Magog coalition that's going to come down and attack Israel. Following that, you have, and again, I'm, I'm hitting these things so that you can kind of tie it all together as we go through this, because it's kind of tough. You've got the white horse antichrist, the red is war, led probably by Gog and Magog, and his coalition of six nations that come to attack Israel. And then you have the rider on the black horse, which is famine and financial ruin. What's the result of war? Famine, financial ruin. And then you have the other horse, that pale horse, Death and Hell, follows that. Again, that's just what I think is happening in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, tying it in with Revelation chapter 6. Okay? And I'm not the only one. I've read other books, other other, uh, scholars who say the same thing. So at the bottom of page eight, you see two chap in, in chapters thirty eight and thirty nine. We see the two. We see a powerful no- northern kingdom gathering together a coalition of nations who hate Israel and choose to rebel against Antichrist' despotic rule over the new world. And it looks like Israel and Antichrist' armies are going to uh, Israel. Israel is going to be destroyed by by Antichrist' armies by, by by Gog and Magog's armies. And it's an opportunity for them not only to attack Israel but to attack. Who is protecting them? Tell me. Huh? Antichrist. So they're going to go against Antichrist. They're going to go against against Israel. Why Why not? Antichrist has set up his, his his headquarters in Israel. Let's take Israel and Antichrist out. Do you think other kingdoms like anybody else telling them what to do? I don't think anybody ever does. And so they're going to say, well, we're not going to let you rule over us. Look at page 9. Gog's battle plan Gog's battle plan we're in Ezekiel chapter 38 now Israel's been restored Ezekiel chapter 38 Gog is putting together his battle plan Gog is the name of that powerful ruler from a land north of Israel and if even if I did this map that you see on your page on page 9 I got that right off of Google today as I was putting it together geographically who would be to the north of Jerusalem? Follow that yellow line straight up. Pretty easy to see. Okay? So, it looks like, and again, I'm not sure, but Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 1 through 3, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. A lot of the scholars believe Rosh is Russia. Meshach is another way of saying Moscow. Tubal is a town called uh, an area called Tobolsk in Russia. And again, this is all educated guessing. We don't know for sure. Pastor and I were talking about this earlier. Some of these names were in the old book of Genesis many years before. And so they all have different names and things have changed a little bit. But the geography is still true. The king of the north is gonna come down on Israel. So if it's not Russia, maybe it's Finland, I don't know. I'm just I'm just kinda of giving you an educated guess. Okay? Finland doesn't have much of an army. That's why I think it's probably the Russia. All right, now, the nations that gather a line with Gog and Magog, underneath the map there. Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 4 through 6. I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out in all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer with its troops, Beth Tagarma, from the remotest parts of the north with all his troops many peoples with you so there's this large coalition of people and you can see on the map who some scholars say who these people are, Persia is Iran uh, Put, Libya Ethiopia, Sudan uh, Beth Tegarma maybe Syria maybe somebody else, Greece, I don't know Gomer, they say is Turkey could be, I don't know, these are just kind of educated guesses but those are all people that don't like Israel those are all people, all nations that have armies. Those are all nations that would like to have Israel's wealth, right? So page 10, the target of God's aggression, Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 7 through 9. Be prepared, prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be summoned. In the latter years you will come into the land that is restored from the sword, Israel, Whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had a continual waste, Israel, but its people were brought out from the nations, Israel. And they are living securely under Antichrist's rule, all of them. You will go up. You will come like a storm. You will be cloud like You'll be like a cloud uh, covering the land, and all your troops and many people with you. And again, no other nation has been like Israel. No other nation has been so hated as Israel. Ask Hitler about that, right? No other nation's gone through this. And they're going to gather down and try to take them out one last time. So what's the timing of God's aggression? Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 10 through 11. Thus says the Lord, it will come about, and on that day, that thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil plan, and you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. Right now, there are no walls of defense in Israel. I will against... Go against those who are at rest, they're at rest because Antichrist has promised them peace and safety, that live securely because Antichrist has promised them security, all of them living without walls and having no bars or gates. Again, so there's never been a time like this in, in Israel's history. Even right now, today, Israel's prepared for war at any at any moment, prepared for attack, ready to defend its land. So prophecy is a guessing game, but this seems to fit really well with that th- three and a half, the middle of that seven-year tribulation period, when peace and safety has been guaranteed by Antichrist. Okay. So then we go to Gog's purpose for the attack in Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight verses seventeen through twenty-three. It talks about that over and over again. You're going to see a phrase. I've, I remember reading Ezekiel recently. And over and over again, you see this phrase, that they may know that I am the Lord, that they may know that I am God, that they will know, that the nations will know. So the purpose of the attack is so that God will prove himself to be true. So we're, we're going to go into that, okay? Um, I, I told you, I think it's to overthrow Antichrist. I got that out of Daniel chapter 11. Let's go there first. God's purpose. Gog. GOG's purpose for the attack to attempt to overthrow Antichrist Daniel chapter 11 verses 40 and 41 now, I know this has to do with another prophecy but many say it's a double prophecy a prophecy of something that's taken place in the past but also has, a, has, a, has its implications for the future in Daniel chapter 11 verse 40 at the end time the king of the south who some people say is the Antichrist because he's in south in Israel south of Moscow and Russia and all of that Antichrist who's made an alliance with Israel will collide with him and the king of the north, that's we believe Gog the Russian and the Russian coalition, will storm against him with chariots, with horsemen, with many ships and he will enter countries, overflow them and pass through them. He will also enter the beautiful land, which is Israel and many countries will fall. So we believe that it's an attack on Antichrist. Russia doesn't want the United States to rule over them. Russia doesn't want China to rule over them. And Russia's not going to want Antichrist to rule over them. Okay? So, page 11. Are you still with me? Are you still there? This is a lot to take in. It took me five days to figure this out. So if you're getting it tonight, you're smarter than me. So hang in there, okay? I'm trying. I'm trying. What is the other purpose? To take out Antichrist, but also to plunder Israel. Ezekiel chapter 38. Let's go back to the Ezekiel 38 passage. That's kind of our key. I will go against the, the land of unwalled villages. I will go against those who are at rest and live securely, all of them living without walls, having no bars or gates, to capture, spoil, and to seize plunder. Turn your hand against the waste plans which are now inhabited against the people who gathered from the nations, who have acquired cattle and goods, who live at the center of the world. Shiva and Dedan, some people say that's Saudi Arabia, and the merchants of Tarshish, Uh, with all its villages will say to you, have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to gather away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to capture great spoil? There are other nations who are not involved in the coalition who are looking at it saying, what do you think you're doing? This is not your business. Stay out of this. Right? So the, the northern kingdom is coming down to plunder Israel, to take wealth from it, and to destroy the hated Jews again the jews have always been hated they're still hated today they will be hated in the future why because from them the messiah comes and sin hates the messiah and sinful people join up with those who hate messiah ezekiel chapter 38 verse 12 to turn your hand against the waste place which are now inhabited against the people who are gathered for the nation so they're going down to go after israel A Letter D, to establish control over the Middle East. He said they live at the center of the world. I was reading a book, Bob Shelton, who's a a good guy on on prophecy. He says this. He says, Israel is known as the gateway to three continents, called the Middle East. Right? It's been called the navel of the earth. I don't know whether I like that or not, but that's what it's called, the navel of the earth. Kind of the belly button of where everything's aimed. The Dead Sea is known as the jewel box of the Orient. The Dead Sea has a wealth of minerals in it that are constantly collecting in there. And if they can figure out how to mine all of that and pull that out, somebody's going to make a whole lot of money. All right? So they want to get control over the Middle East. They want to destroy Israel. They want to take Antichrist out. They want to plunder the riches of Israel. And then God comes in and defends them. It looks like Israel's a goner. Got to hit this quickly. God ultimately orchestrates an attack. It's interesting to me as I was looking at this, God thinks it's his idea to attack Israel. But God says, no, it's my idea that you attack Israel. Now, why in the world would God want people to attack Israel? So he can defend Israel and say, you can't do that, and I'm going to prove to you that I'm still God protecting them, And I'm going to glorify myself by protecting my people. God says, I'm going to move in your heart. I just dare you to do it. Watch what I do to you. That's kind of what's going on here. Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 3 and 4. God is saying to Gog, I will turn you about. I will bring you out. It's me doing this. God thinks it's his idea. God says, no, it's my idea. It's hard to say that, Gog and God, but I hope you're getting the idea here. Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 38. He talks about verses 8 and 9. God's army is summoned. You will come. At verse 9, you will go up. You will come like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. You're going to come. You're going to attack them. Because I want you to. Again, why does God want people to attack his people? So he can defend his people and prove himself to be God. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 14, or verse 15. You will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north, and you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great assembly and a mighty army. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. And he says, I will bring you against my land. So God's orchestrating all of this to glorify himself. And then God miraculously defends Israel. First of all, Ezekiel 38, verse 18. We'll go to verse 19. You can read through this again. There's going to be a massive earthquake. Mountains are going to fall down. There's going to be great turmoil. And people are going to get so confused. How many of you have been in an earthquake? Isn't it a little confusing? A little bit disorienting? You don't know what's going on? What's going on? Why am I? What? what where? What? And so the armies and then, in turn, number two, start fighting amongst each other. So they're confused, and they say, "Who's who's doing this?" Well, I'm going to get them. And so Russia and the and the Persians are fighting, and the Persians and the and the Turkeys are people from Turkey are fighting, and the, and and all these other people, and this fighting's going on, and they're destroying one another. So you got the earth take earthquake taking people out. You got armies taking each other out. Then uh, it says in Ezekiel 38:21, "21 20, Every man's sword will be against his brother." And then number three, he will send a bloody pestilent disease to bring down Israel's enemies. Ezekiel thirty eight, twenty-two, with pestilence and with blood I will enter into judgment with him. Some kind of a disease that they can't control and don't understand. All of a sudden, people are just gonna start getting sick. So you got earthquakes, you got fighting armies, fighting bickering amongst themselves, you got this disease, and then on top of that, God sends rain, hail, Fire and brimstone on the enemies of Israel. Ezekiel thirty-eight twenty-two. I will rain on him and on his troops and on the many people who are with him a torrential rain with hailstones, fire, and brimstone. I think God knows how to take his enemies out, doesn't he? He sure does. He sure does. Now page 13, the next page. What is the purpose for this? We've talked about it. we said it several times. Let me say it to you again. The whole purpose for this thing is to bring glory to God. To turn people to God. To turn what is evil and make it something good. Right? Ezekiel 38, 16. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me. When I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O God. Ezekiel 38, 23. I will magnify myself, sanctify myself and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. Again, God gets glory. And then there's all kinds of fallout. The reason I believe this takes place in the middle of the tribulation period, and this is not describing the battle of Armageddon, is because of the fallout. Because for the next seven years, or for the for the next seven months, I think it is, there is this this awful pile of bodies that have to be dealt with remember these nations gathered like the clouds of the sky this is a huge army probably big as anything that's ever been arranged before coming down on israel and all these bodies all these enemies of god are being killed left and right and this is kind of gross ezekiel 39 verses 3 and 4 i will strike your bow from your left hand and dash down your arrows from your right hand you will fall on the mountains of israel you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you i will give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and the beast of the field revelation 19 talks about god calling all of these predators to come and devour the enemies of god so god's coalition will be reduced to food for scavengers then Israel will collect and destroy all of their enemies' weapons. Ezekiel 39, verses 9 and 10. Israel will go out and make fires with the weapons and burn them. Well, shields and bucklers, bows and arrows with war clubs and spears, and for seven years they'll make fires of them. I don't know that's literally seven years because I don't think there's that long before Jesus comes back. But I think it could be there's so much stuff that it could burn for seven years. Verse 10, they will not take wood from the field or gather firewood from the forest, for they will make fires with the weapons. They will take the spoil of those who despoiled them and seize the plunder of those who plundered them, declares the Lord. Again, Ezekiel doesn't understand modern weaponry. He never saw a pistol. He never saw a bazooka. He never saw a tank. He never saw an airplane. So he's just describing this the best he can with the knowledge that he has of war. And it says it will take seven months to bury the dead that God kills in defense of Israel. Ezekiel 39, verses 11 and 12. On that day, I will give Gog a burial ground there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will block off those who would pass by. So they will bury Gog there with all its horde, and they will call it the valley of Ham and gog uh, For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. And it goes on and describes how... Israel has to literally hire a group of people to go out and do nothing but gather bodies and bury them for all this time. Now, I think that's plausible. It's out to page 14. I think it's plausible that after this great defeat, Antichrist kind of pops up his head and says, I did that. Look what I did. Right? I'm God. I'm moving in the temple. Worship me. Look what I did. I can see that could see that. it makes, But Israel knows better. Top of page 14 Israel's response to God's intervention. intervention My holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel. I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore and the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. And you can go on and read through there. I think that's when the 144,000 Jewish priests get up and start preaching about Jesus. And that's when lots and lots of Jewish people come to know Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and Antichrist is not. And that's going to make Antichrist mad, and God's going to fight against Antichrist. And I think that's when the last few trumpet, uh, last few of those great vials get dropped on Israel, fighting against Antichrist as he's trying to fight against God. It gets worse until the end. But God protects His people. Some will die. They'll be among the martyrs. There's a crown waiting for them. There are rewards waiting for them. Believe in Jesus; it's worth it, no matter what happens to you in this life. Believe in Jesus, no matter what happens to you in this life, because you're going to win. You're going to win, and we'll get to that in the future at another lesson. Does this make sense? Kind of fit together. I sure hope so. I work hard on it. Most importantly, we just really want—we want to know what God's trying to do. Okay, so let's have a word of prayer.